Praise the Lord. Welcome in to another Sower of Seeds podcast. I'm your host, Ted Johnson. Right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our kind and gracious, loving Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for all your wonderful gifts and blessings that you have bestowed upon us this day. Dear God, I thank you for life. I thank you for health. Thank you, God, for being with me, dear God, and watching over me and lead, guide, and direct me, dear God, all this day. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just have your way, Lord, as I uh, teach on this podcast, Lord, that you will just speak through me, God, that you will just give me the words to say, Lord, that I may help someone in some way, dear God, just help them to draw closer to you and, and learn a little bit more about your word, dear God. God, I just thank you and I praise you for everything. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. First of all, um, I want to go back to uh, last podcast. Uh, we got to talking about um, Miriam. Uh, the Lord uh, struck her with uh, leprosy and uh, said that she would be uh, put up seven days without the camp, be put without the camp for seven days, and then she'll be able to come back in. And uh, I told you I would find a scripture on just exactly uh, the the way that you had to be proven to be clean when uh, you once got leprosy. And uh, uh, it was in uh, Leviticus, uh, Leviticus 14. Let me find it here. Um Leviticus 14 is, uh, the whole chapter is on cleansing from the plague of leprosy. This tells exactly what has to be done to, uh, to be, uh, re, uh, to be proclaimed clean and to be able to go back to your family. Um, so, uh, if you get it, get a chance, read 13 chapter Leviticus chapter 13 and Leviticus chapter 14, both. This gives you some idea of what it was like to uh, uh, contact leprosy and what all you had to go through to uh, say yes, you do have it, or no, you don't have it, and then what had what had to be done if you did have it, and then how that you are allowed back into the camp after that you uh, have gotten over the plague of leprosy. And the other thing was. Uh, uh, the hut was the, uh, I was talking about the man in the Bible who the Lord had wanted him to marry a prostitute. And I said, I would find that. And that was Hosea. And if you will go to Hosea chapter one and basically uh, read uh, the first chapter uh, and, and maybe chapter two, you will find out exactly why the Lord told Hosea to do this and, and what all happened. This was, the Lord told Hosea to marry this, uh, this woman, uh, this wife of whoredoms, as he as called in uh, Hosea. Uh, he wanted him to marry her be, uh, as a symbol of what was going on with Israel. Now then, <laughs> uh, 
I told you I would look those up and I would get back to you on those. Um, now we're going to be in uh, Numbers chapter 13. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to go through in, in this chapter and a couple of things that I uh, that the Lord brought to my attention that I want to share with you. Uh, but now that we, the children of Israel, have um, pitched in the, the wilderness of Paran, and they are very close to the land that God promised uh, Abraham, the land that flows with milk and honey. They are very close to it. So the Lord tells, tells Moses to pick him out 12 men, uh, one man from each, uh, each family, and to send them over to spy out the land. And starting in uh, Numbers chapter 13, we'll start in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. Now then, before we get into this, uh, a little little something that the Lord showed me. If we remember when uh, back when we was talking about Joseph and him being sold into slavery and everything, uh, Israel and his family lived in the land of Canaan. Now then, when the famine came in, they moved from the land of Canaan to the land of Goshen, which is in Egypt. And there is when they started to work for the Egyptians, uh, for the Pharaoh and, and different ones, uh, making bricks and um, watching over their herds and things like that. And this is when, when everything started going bad, is when Moses was on the backside of the desert uh, at the uh, uh, Mount Harib and or the Mount of God, and the Lord told him to go lead the people out of Egypt. Now then, uh, we're going to come full circle here twice because Moses was on the backside of the mountain in uh, Exodus 3 and 1. If we start, uh, go to the third chapter of Exodus and start reading there, we're going to find out that Moses was on the backside of the desert and he was uh, at uh, Mount Herob or Mount Sinai, uh, the Mount of God. And this is when he uh, came upon the burning bush and the Lord told him to go to Israel or Egypt and lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. All right. Uh, he went and he'd done all the plagues and everything and Pharaoh told him to get his people and everything he had and get out of there. So when he left, he left there and he crossed over the Red Sea, and he came back to this mount, to the same, about, basically about the same place that he was when he um, was talked to by God in in the burning bush, back to the mount of God. So he came full circle. Now then, the children, uh, it, Israel and his children were born, uh, most of them, and a lot of them were born in Canaan, and they went to Egypt, and now then they have come through the desert, and they are in 
uh, the wilderness of uh, Paran, just a very short distance from where that Israel uh, lived to begin with, which is Canaan. But we're talking now of uh, about 400 and some years has transpired since then. And now then, the land is, the God has blessed the land. He has, uh, it, it is very rich. Um, the fruits and the things that are growing there are massive. He has blessed it greatly, and he has it has been well tended by different uh, families or different uh, countries, communities, whatever you want to call them. Um, and it has been kept and it is ready for the children of Israel to go in and possess it. So they have come full circle there. But we get into a, to a little bit of a problem when the uh, 12 men go over to spy out the land of Canaan to let uh, Moses know just exactly what the the land looks like. And, and Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. We're going to skip a few verses there of, of all the different names of the ones that went over. And uh, start in verse 17. And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land, what it is, and the people that dwelleth therein whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in uh, strongholds, and what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now this time was the time of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rehob, as men come to Hamath. And they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Anam Shishai, and Talamah, the children of Anak, Anak were. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zorn in Egypt. Now then, the Lord told Moses, he said, you go pick you out 12 men, one from each family, and I want this, this person to be leaders. I want this person to be trustworthy. I want him to be one that uh, when, he, when he goes in and he, he's... Uh, spies out this land that he'll know just exactly what to come back and tell me. And then he told him, he said, I want you to, I want you to tell me just exactly what the, what the land is like, whether they live in, what the people are like, whether they live in tents, whether they live in walled cities, uh, uh, tell me whether there's any trees and forests there or 
and tell me about all the different crops that's there. Uh, tell me if the, the land is very fertile or not. And he's tell me everything that you can think of about this land. So they went and they spent 40 days spying out this land. And right before they came back, they, they got some of the fruit. I don't know what the pomegranates and, uh, uh, and the figs look like. But they got one cluster of grapes, and by the they was it was by the uh, brook Eshkol, and they got one cluster of grapes, and these grapes were so big that they this one cluster when they cut it off the vine, they had to take a staff and put in this grapes, and it took two men to carry this one cluster of grapes. They were huge. The land was, was very fertile. So they, they went in, I'm not going to read all this, but uh, they went in and they spied this out and they came back. And they, they gave an account of everything that was in the land. And they, they were talking about how that the land was, was truly a land that flowed with milk and honey. All the, they, they brought back the evidence of, of how that the fertile land was and everything, and they said uh, there's the inhab there's the inhabitants. Uh, they live. Let's see the Amalekites. The Am Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. This is this is all the different cities that was in this land. And he said they lived in walled cities. Uh, they had walls up around the city. They, they was pretty strong. But the one thing that, that worried all the ones except for two that went over there to check the place out was, was the, um, the men of Anakin or the Annex. They were giants. Um, and uh, Caleb still, um, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And, and Caleb still the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. Now, Caleb is one of those that is, has been, uh, I would say, basically been trusting the Lord all the time. He, he went up and he spied out the land and he felt sure because the Lord had promised them this land. They had been told about how that the Lord had promised this, this land ever since they uh, originally started out. Even uh, even Abraham had told them, and the, the story was passed down from, from one to another of how that the Lord had promised them this land. But he, he uh, told them, he said, I'm not going to go in and I'm not going to drive anybody out. I'm going to let everybody stay in there just exactly the way they are. That way, when you get there, the land will be ready for you to take over. The cities will be there for you to go in and possess. And, and uh, it won't be all grown up. It'll be, it'll be cared for. It'll be tended. And the wild animals won't come in and take over everything. So I'm going to leave them in there. But now when you get there, you are going to have to go in and you are going to have to take the land from these different uh, peoples. You know, that's that's the way our lives is today as a Christian. 
God has made us a lot of promises. He promised that he'll always be with us. He'll promise, he promised us he'll meet our needs. He promised us a lot of things. We, as children of God, we need to have enough faith and enough trust in God to take these blessings and these gifts that the Lord has got us to go to, to go in and possess these things and to, and to enjoy them. The Lord gave us these things to enjoy us, but he's just not going to hand them to us. Just like he's not going to hand the, the land of Canaan, he's not going to hand it to the Israelites. They have to go in and they have to fight. They have to work for to possess this land. Just same way with us. We need to work for the gifts and, and the things that the Lord has got in store for us. We need to work for them. We just can't go up and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Now give me all the blessings in the Bible. It don't work that way. We have, we, when we give our heart and life to God, we truly give our heart and life to God and we start out on this journey. This journey, we start out on this journey. This journey is going to end up in heaven one of these days. That's that's our promised land. That's the land that, that the Lord has promised us that he's going to give to us one of these days if we will endure to the end. So we need to, to go in and we need to possess that land, possess heaven, but we have to do some work here on earth for us to be able to get there. We can't just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins and then sit down and wait on God to just hand everything to us. It's not going to happen. There's some work that we need to do. There's some things that we need to do. Um, God has got a plan for each and every one of us. Even though we're on this road to heaven and we're walking on this journey, that journey consists of, of little journeys in between. You know, it, it, it it's like going from uh, on a trip, on a vacation, you know, to in order for you to get to your destination, you uh, have to get in your car, you have to pack your car, you have to make sure that you have everything and everybody and everything's in the car and you're ready to go and you start your journey. Well, there's little journeys in between there. The little journeys is... You have to stop and get gas every so often. You have to stop for bathroom breaks every so often. You have to stop and eat, and you have to stop for many different things. So there's little journeys in between the main journey, and that's the way that we are. God, we are on a journey when we get saved. We start the journey to heaven, but the Lord has some little other little journeys uh, that we go on while we're on that journey. And that's, you know, that's the work that the Lord has for us to do. Uh, you know, it, it's, I don't know what your job is. Uh, that's between you and the Lord. You know, the Lord has, you have to uh, seek the Lord and find out just exactly what it is that he wants you to do. And um, now let me tell you, a lot of times it's not going to be what you would want to do. But it, he's got a special thing that he wants you to do. And, you know, it may be just as simple as, as, uh, greeting people when they walk into the church. It may just be a simple thing as, as, um, being someone that just is outgoing and, and it doesn't matter who you go up to. You, you just start talking to them and, and, uh, 
just like a friend. The Lord has a special thing for each and every one of us. And we need to find out just exactly what our journey is that the Lord wants us to, to go down. See, Moses had a journey. He was to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land. And there was, there was little journeys then in between there. There was the one where he spent the time on the mount and he brought down the, the Ten Commandments and he broke them and he had to go back up on the mountain and redo it again. And, and all this time he was teaching the children of Israel. And then the Lord told him, he said, I want you to build this tabernacle and I want you to make it portable. So he, he had to get the people to working together and he had to set up a, um, a community and he had to set up uh, people that were in charge and people that would, that, uh, were willing to work and, and, uh, wanted to work. And there was so many things that had to be set up and, and set in order in that, in that time frame, that little over a year that they spent there at the Mount of God. This is when we start out. The Lord needs to take our lives and he needs to set our lives in order. He needs to, before we ever begin, actually begin our journey, we, we start our journey when we give our heart and life to God and then we travel for a while and then the Lord stops us because he, he needs to teach us some things and he needs, us, needs to work on us a little bit. So we need to, at that point, we need to be still and we need to, to focus our mind and our thoughts on the Lord and just exactly what it is that the Lord wants us to do. And then when we figure out what it is that he wants us to do, whether it is cutting the wood for the fires or if it's keeping the fire going or if it's melting the, the metals to make all the different uh, furniture for the tabernacle or if it's sewing, uh, sewing cloth and, and things like that, it you know, we have to figure out just exactly what our job is, our specific job, the one that the Lord has for us. And then we need to follow that job. We need to work on that job. And, and you know, like I said, it may not be just exactly what you want it to be, but let me tell you something. When you get to the point of where that you, you really set your heart and your mind that I'm going to do this, I don't know exactly how, but I'm going to do this. And you set out on that mini journey of that job that the Lord has picked out for you. Let me tell you what. He will bless you in so many ways. He will bless you in so many ways. No, but like I said, it, it may not be easy and probably won't be. You know, like I'm, I've said before, you know, the Lord has had many journeys that he has sent me on, uh, as a preacher, uh, as, a, uh, as a pastor, assistant pastor, and a pastor, as a as a singer, as a, and now I'm a teacher, and I'm also speaking on this podcast. And you know, not all of them's been real easy, uh, especially getting this podcast set up and going. It 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 really tried my patience, and and it really tried my trust in the Lord. And it really tried uh, tried me and made me a better person. And now then that it's it's all good and it's going, the Lord is blessing me and I enjoy it and I look forward to it. 
I look forward to getting up every morning and studying and getting my thoughts together and a place to start and and telling telling you all what the Lord gives me. And that's 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 the one thing that blesses and blesses me the most. But they they went in and they searched out this land, and they was oh they come back with. Uh, was all basically all good reports. The land was uh, real good. Uh, the people there they lived in different places all over the country, and they uh, they spent forty days there. And, and Caleb said, "We need to go in now. We need to go in right now, and we need to possess this land. The Lord has given us this land, and we need to go in and take it." And and Joshua was Joshua was with him. He he said, "Yeah, we need to go in." And the other said, "No, no, there is no way that we can go in and take this land. There there is giants in the land. There is people down there that that look down on us like as if we are grasshoppers. They are huge people, and all these these." Cities are, everybody is real strong and their cities are all walled up and everything. Uh, there's no way that we can go in and take this land. Well, they, they were right to a point. There's no way that, that they, could win, they could go in and take that land. There's no way they can do it. But there is a way to take it that, them, if they will take the Lord with them and they will seek the Lord and they will uh, follow his instructions, they can go in with his help and take the, take the land as we're going to find out later on. They, they, as long as they are following God's will and following his, his advice and, and his commands, they overcome. When they go out and try to do something in their self, they mess up. Hmm. Sound familiar? It does to me. When I when I try to do things on my own, I generally mess them up royally. But when I do things with God's help, everything turns out fine. And you know, we we have ups and downs in in our our little jobs and on our journeys. We have ups and downs in our journeys. But you know what? We got to remember that God's in control. He's the one that has put us on this journey, and he is the one that is leading us on this journey. So we have to trust in him and follow him and not worry about everything else because he is in control. And that's what they needed to understand. That's what Joshua and Caleb understood. They understood that the Lord had promised them this land. And he and they also understood that they had to go in and take the land. The Lord was just was not just going to hand them this land on a silver platter and drive everybody out. And it wasn't going to happen. But the one thing that the Lord did do, as we're going to find out later, is when they finally did go in to possess the land, the, the fear of God was went before them and was in the people that were in this land. And actually, they they were defeated before the Israelites ever took took up the battle with them. They were defeated before they ever even got there, really, because the Lord had had put the fear in them 
of the children of Israel. They, these people had realized that the Lord was with these people and the Lord is blessing these people. And they, they feared, they feared the children of Israel. And you know, that's, that's the one thing that Satan does. If you're a true child of God, Satan fears you because he knows just exactly who you're following and he knows just exactly who God is and he's afraid of the, God, of the Lord. And before we, before he ever tempts us, before he ever tries to do anything, he is already defeated because of the fear of God that he, uh, God has put in him. They told him, uh, 27, and they told him and said, We came into the land where thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, hmm. But wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Land, land's great. Land, but nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are wild and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Anak, these are the ones that are huge people, the giants. They are the ones that, I guess, scared them the most was, was those, those big people, those very big, strong giants and everything. You know, that's... That's the one at Little David. You remember the story of Little David and his sling. That David went out to uh, fight this giant, and the king put on his put his armor on David and give him his sword and everything, and and he couldn't even move in this stuff. And he 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 pulled it all off and everything, and he took his sling, and he he stopped and got him five stones, five smooth stones. That's all he needed. And why five? Because the giant that he was about to go up against had four other brothers. So he was prepared not only for the one in front of him, but the four others that might come after him. But you know what? All it took was one. All it took was one stone. And the giant fell, and when the giant fell, little David went over and took the giant's huge sword and cut the giant's head off with his own sword. This is the God that we serve. This is the God that Caleb and, and Joshua knew about. This is the God that Moses knew about. That Caleb and Joshua knew that they, they, had, they were promised this land and they needed to go in and possess it. But they did. They got scared because of the giants that's in the land. They got scared because the cities were all wild up. They got scared because they they stepped out of the boat and they were walking on the water and they got to looking around and they seen the waves. They got scared because they took their eyes off of the prize. They took their eyes off of the Lord and they started looking with the natural eyes. You know, we need to put on our spiritual eyes and we need to look at the world through Christ. We need to look at the world through him because the world will look so much different if we look through Christ's eyes than it does our eyes because we, we see our problems as Mount Everest 
God sees our problems as the tiny little mo, uh, anthill. They're, 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 they're just barely enough to where you can see them. And we think these, and they, all these men were thinking that they were giants in the land. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big your problems are. Give them all to the Lord and let the Lord take care of them and you don't worry about them. Because it doesn't, every time that I have tried to fix one of my problems by myself, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and completely out of proportion because I tried to do it myself. When I take those things and I lay them at the altar and I tell the Lord, Lord, you take care of these. I can't do nothing with them. I've tried this once before and it didn't work. Now I'm going to give them to you and you take these and you fix these. And I'm, I'm going to leave them alone and I'm going to walk off. And we need to do that and not worry about them, not even think about them because God is in control. He's never late. Very seldom is he ever early, but he's always right on time. And sometimes we get a little upset because the Lord is not working when we think that he ought to. So we we go back to the altar and we pick them up and we try to fix them ourselves because he's not doing it fast enough. Patience. Patience is a virtue. And that's what we that's the one thing that that I myself, I really need more of. The Lord has taught me a lot about patience, but I still need a lot more of it. And, you know, we, we're not going to go in and we're not going to possess everything that the Lord has for us all at one time. We have to take it a little by little, just a little here and a little there. And the Lord will give us everything that he has for us eventually. We may not get it on this side, but we will definitely get it on the other side. And the children of Israel, because of their unbelief, because of they, they were so worried about uh, all these big, huge, strong, walled-up cities and, and people that were over there and, and they would not go in and possess this land the Lord told Moses, said, these people are going to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. One year for every day that they spent over there spying out the land, they're going to be wandering in the wilderness. Not a one of them, save Caleb and Joshua, is going to ever see the promised land. Not a one of them. Every one of those that were alive, every one of the children of Israel that were alive at that point in time would not make it into the promised land because of unbelief. Now, let me tell you something. Just think of your, as your journey, your Christian journey, that you are working to a place to where that you are, uh, closer to God than you have ever been in your life. A place to where that the Lord is blessing you um, on every hand. Everything that, that that happens to you, it seems like a blessing. You are in your 
Canaan. You are in your land of milk and honey. You are in the place to where that you are, uh, you have turned everything over to the Lord. You are trusting him with everything and you're not worrying about nothing and you are doing that work that the Lord had set out for you to do. You are, you have made it over into the promised land. It's not, it's not heaven. It's a place in your Christian life to where that you are, like I said, closer than you've ever been to the Lord. To where that the Lord can use you and you can, uh, and you want to be used by the Lord and you want to, uh, the Lord to teach you and to speak to you and, and to have you to do things. You want those things to happen because you love the Lord and you want to work for him and you want to see more and more people go to heaven. You just don't want to go yourself. You want to take as many people with you as you can. You are not about yourself anymore. It's all about Jesus and everybody else. This is the place that we need to be in. This is a place where the, this is our promised land. This is a place in our Christian living where that we are just one step away from uh, from home. And at any time, we can make that step and go home. You know, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard to explain exactly what it's like to get to that point to where that you worry about nothing. There's nothing in this world that that worries you at all. Even the coronavirus and everything that's going on in our governments and everything that's going on in the world, it 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 concerns you. You pray for the Christian people. You pray for those that are lost, that they might get saved. You pray for that. But as far as it concerning you or worrying you, it does not. Because you know these, some of these things have to happen. Some of these things have to happen. God has already written down in his word that some of these things are going to happen. And if you will read different places in the Bible, in the New Testament, you will find out that the Lord, uh, that the prophets of old, that they, they prophesied about the things that are going on in this world today. They prophesied about it many thousands of years ago. The Lord told them about it, that it was going to happen, that it had to happen. Because, but no, it doesn't worry me. But what does worry me is those that are lost and out in sin. What does worry me is those that are just sitting around and playing church and not really concerned about their life or anybody else's life. It's all about what can the Lord do for me not what can I do for the Lord. That's what really concerns me. That's what really worries me. It's those people. Because it's getting to the point where he's about ready to come back after his people. He is real. He is about ready. And I mean, I can, I just expect any day to hear the trumpet sound and, and to meet Christ in the air. I, I expect it any day. I'm looking up. I'm waiting for it. I'm, I'm longing for it because this, this world is, you know, we, we can only do so much. All we can do is pray and all we can do is witness. Now it's up to the people themselves as to what they're going to do. And, you know, the, 
we've got to continue to pray every day for the world. We've got to pray every day for our leaders. We've got to pray every day for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We've got to pray every day for our family. We've got to pray every day for every everybody in this world. You know, I wish everybody in the world is, just all of a sudden would give their heart and life totally to God and and do and sin would completely leave this world. I wish that would happen. It would be nice. Is it possible? I believe it is. I believe it really is. But Christians, we're going to have to wake up and we're going to have to get on the job. We're going to have to go in and we're going to have to possess that land, possess that blessing, possess that place that the Lord wants us to be. We're going to have to do a little bit of work. We just can't sit around and expect the Lord to hand us everything on a silver platter. We're going to have to do some work and we're going to have to, to really do some praying, some, I mean, some really old timey get down, uh, praying, crying. Wallering in on wallering in the floor because that's what it's going to take. It's going to take us as children of God to become really, really sincere about what's going on in this world. It's us being very, very sincere about our walk with God, being really sincere about the lost people. It's going to take us doing something. We have sat around long enough. Now it's time that we put on the whole armor of God and we go to battle. These children of Israel, when they finally get it, make it to where that they go in to possess the land, they're not just going to walk in there and take over everything and everybody else that's in there going to run. No, they're going to have to fight some battles. The Lord never did promise us it was going to be easy, but he did promise us he would be there with us, just like the children of Israel. When they go in to possess the land, he, he didn't promise them he would give it to them. He said, you're going to have to go in and possess it. I promised you this land. It's your land. Now you're going to have to go in and possess it. You're going to have to do some work. So you're going to have to fight some battles. And you're going to have to um, be, uh, be very strategic about the things and, and plan out your plan of attack and not just go at it haphazardly. Well, this is the time that we need to get into the Word of God. This is the time that we need to pray, and this is the time that we need to seek God so that we'll know just exactly what our plan of attack is and how that we're going to go about attacking Satan and everything about him. Our battle's with Satan. It's not with man. You know, I don't care... Uh, what I can't blame people for everything that's going on in this world today. I can't blame the people for writing. I can't blame them for doing all this because of who is in control of their life. As I have said before, the one thing that we have to realize is God loves everybody. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what they have done. God loves everybody. But those that are out there that are doing all this writing and, and vandalism and, and murders and, and all, and stealing and break-ins and all this stuff, God doesn't like the, God hates the sin that's in their life. But the reason why they're doing what they're doing is in who is in control of their lives. You know, I have come to the realization of one thing. 
I have said this many times myself. I am, I will do what I want to do. Well, I am wrong. We never do what we want to do. We do what we do because of who is in charge of our lives. If we do the sinful things of the world and we, we partake of the world and we play around with the world, we are partaking of that because Satan is in control of our lives. If we are taking, are partaking in the, in the things of the heavenly things and, and studying and, and talking about the Lord and, and following him and praying and reading the Bible and going to church and, and reaching out to others, we're doing that because God is in control of our lives. We do the things that we do in our lives. We do those because of who is in charge of our lives. And those people that are coming out against you and talking about you and causing you so many heartaches and everything, if you will sincerely get it in your mind of exactly why that they're doing this and because of who is in charge of their lives and realize that if you pray for them and you witness to them and they give their heart and life to God and Satan is no more in control of their life and the Lord is, their life is going to change as well as their outlook, the way that they look at you and the things that they do to you is going to change. All because of who is in control of their lives. And so many times we as children of God, just like the, the 10 here that was talking about that uh, there's no way that they're going to go in and possess this land. The, the, you know, it, it's just no way, but we're going to be able to do it. At that point in time, they let, they let fear, they let Satan come into their life. And they started talking because of the fear and Satan that had come into their lives. They started talking down and saying, no, there's no way that we're going to go and do this. I can do all things through Christ Jesus, which strengthens me. All things. I can do all things. I can do all things. That's what we need to remember. Just because we turn our heart and life over to the Lord and let him take control of our lives, we become a different person and we became become a stronger person, and we become one that the Lord can work through to accomplish those things that pleases Him, not that pleases us, that pleases Him. Go in, possess your possess your promised land, possess that land that the Lord has set aside just for you. The word that. Your promises are great and everything like that, but you're going to like you're going to have to put up some fight. You're going to have to you're going to have to go to battle. You're going to have to win some wars. You're going to have to do a lot of things. But prepare, prepare before they got to the Can before they got to their Canaan land. It take a year, a little over a year, to prepare to get strong, to work together to find out what it was like to be a nation so that when they go into war, they can go in with the Lord as one. And that's what we need to do. Be one with the Lord and follow him. Thank you all for listening. I hope that you got something out of this. I hope it touched you in some way. And until next time, God bless you.